This is the last part of our Faith in the Fire series that we've been going through for the last number of weeks, trying to develop a robust faith, understand what the Bible says to us and encourages us so that we can stand strong when the trials of life come to us. There will be fiery moments. There, there will be fiery seasons, probably for most of us, including death itself. But here's the Christian message that Jesus has won for us everlasting rest and joy. So we're going to look today at what will heaven be like? I wonder how you would answer that question. David Lloyd George gave his own answer. He was the British Prime Minister from 1916 to 22 and said this at one stage. When I was a boy, the thought of heaven used to frighten me more than the thought of hell. I pictured heaven as a place where there would be perpetual Sundays with perpetual services from which there would be no rest. What you think of heaven will directly affect you how you feel about the prospect of being there, of course. Will that either lead you to feel like Lloyd George did, or perhaps a sense of apprehension at the great unknown, or perhaps bring you a sense of relief that at least all this suffering will be over. Or perhaps it will lead to excitement at the joy of being finally and fully with God. So what will heaven be like? Well, to borrow a phrase we've used previously in this series, there is certainty and mystery. Because to be honest, there's a lot the Bible doesn't tell us about heaven. But there's enough for us to be absolutely certain about to fuel us for our journey there. But first, we need to clarify what we mean by this word heaven, because it's used in two different ways, really, in the Bible. At one level, heaven means everything beyond the earth. So the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 19 begins, the heavens declare the glory of God. What the writers mean is everything out there and beyond physical earth, the rest of the known universe. But more importantly for us this morning, the word heaven is used to mean the realm in which God fully dwells and where his will is fully expressed. The realm where God fully dwells and where his will is fully expressed. So in one sense, we have some experience of heaven in this life because we know something of God's presence with us, of being in his will, of him and his truth. But not fully, which is the point. So then heaven, the presence and will of God fully experienced, will be for us a matter of two stages. Let me explain. Firstly, life after death. When a Christian dies, their soul is consciously and immediately with Jesus, fully enjoying the presence of God and the absence of suffering. The Christian is alive after death. Jesus said these words to Martha as she was grieving the death of her brother Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never 
die. Those words are often read at funerals. They are wonderful and glorious words. In 1927, Charles Lindbergh became the first man to uh, fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, an extraordinary feat for the time. Many years later, when he discovered he had terminal cancer, he and his wife went to stay at their Hawaiian home until he died. And he wrote these words while he was there that were to be read out at his funeral service. We commit the body of Charles Lindbergh to its final resting place. But his spirit we commit to almighty God, knowing that death is but a new adventure in existence. That is the Christian hope, that beyond death, the Christian is very, very much alive. Now, let me just at this point clear up a couple of misconceptions that go around. When Christians die, perhaps someone you've loved who's a Christian has died. They are not asleep and unconscious. They are enjoying the presence of God. And also sometimes people feel that the loved and dead person is looking down on them or with them all the time. Neither of those are correct. In fact, let's be honest, in various circumstances, that would be a very strange thought indeed. I want to give you a few seconds to reflect now, just to stop, be quiet and reflect. Those words that Jesus said about being the resurrection and the life are going to come up on the screen. And I want to encourage you just to reflect on them and to be glad, perhaps to talk to God and just thank him that there is life beyond death and tell him how that makes you feel. I'm going to give you 90 seconds to reflect in a bit of quiet. Life after death. But life after death is not the end game for the Christian. Because when we talk about heaven, finally what we're referring to is life after life after death, to use Tom Wright's phrase. Again, let me explain. When Jesus returns, all who are God's children, whether still alive at that time or have gone already to be with him, will be raised to new life. 
raised to live with him in a renewed, perfect world without sin, without disease, without death, without suffering, in what Christians call resurrection life. This is where our story is heading. This is what Jesus' victory means for us. Resurrection life, which is what we ultimately mean when we're asking what will heaven be like. There are some very famous passages in the New Testament that describe this. One of them is from the beginning of Revelation chapter 21, which I want to read to you uh, just now and then look at it. The writer says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. He, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or any disgusting racial violence injustice and discrimination for the old order of things has passed away so what will heaven resurrection life in heaven finally be like two things for this morning it would be like this it will be embodied life and it will be presence and absence life embodied life and presence and absence life Resurrection life in heaven will be embodied life. The Bible makes it very clear that the eternal resurrection life that Jesus has won for us will be one with fully functioning bodies that do not sin and that do not get sick and that are perfectly suited to life in God's perfect presence on a perfectly recreated earth. Now, if that sounds strange to you, it's probably because you've bought into the lie of Christian art through the years, where you get these winged spirits on clouds with harps sometimes, big lights, big gates and things like that. Let me reassure you, that should be consigned, most of it, to Christian art. You see, Revelation 21 that we just read said this, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the place and the people of God coming down out of heaven from God. Now, it's vision language in this passage, but it's very important language because it helps us to see that heaven is not escape from the physical to some sort of floaty, disembodied existence. Rather, it's a coming down to a transformed physical world. The presence of God inhabiting the physical fully, which is a hugely exciting prospect. So what do we know about this embodied life that the Bible talks about? Well, let me take you to another passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? See, it's not a new question. 
People have been asking this for centuries, of course. What will life be like? And the writer provides the answer. He says, when you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Perhaps of wheat or of something else. He's giving a very practical example. And then he goes on to say this about us and our future life. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. <clears throat> it is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. He's contrasting the seed, the body that dies and goes into the ground, and the future body that will be raised for believers in resurrection life. He says, what is perishable, it's obviously fading away, this body of mine certainly is, becomes imperishable. It will live forever and cannot die. It's sown in dishonour, which doesn't mean it's bad, it just means it's very lowly compared to the glory of what will be ours. It's sown in weakness, well we all know that. It's raised in power. Our bodies will never be weak again. It's raised a natural body, it's raised, it's sown, sorry, a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body, which doesn't mean non-physical, it means supernatural. And then verse 49, the writer later goes on to say this, just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, human beings, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, talking of Jesus. See, when Jesus was raised from death to resurrection life, which is the pattern for our future resurrection, he was raised clearly, recognisably Jesus with a physical body, not some floaty spirit. He ate with his disciples. He talked with them. He even encouraged them to touch him so that they knew he was physical and not a ghost. So much so that even for these who had no idea of resurrection in this way, knew that it was recognisably still Jesus. And he could clearly do things that he couldn't before under the constraints of the normal laws of physics. He could appear, he could disappear. So we know that heaven, resurrection life, while different, will be recognisable and embodied, physical. And resurrection life in heaven will be presence and absence life. Presence and absence is a great phrase to sum up the good of what our experience of eternal resurrection life will be like. A presence that satisfies all our longings and removes all sense of absence. So the loud voice in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 announces presence. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell, be present with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. God himself fully present with his people. And the loud voice then announces absence. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain. 
for the old order of things has passed away. Presence and absence. Isn't this, if you think about it, exactly what every person is actually longing for deep down inside? Even if they don't know it, and even if they don't know God, surely there is a longing in all of us, which God, of course, has put there for total perfection, the presence of God and the absence of sin and evil. All in all, for citizens of heaven, the return of Jesus and the transformation he will bring will be more than you could ask or imagine. It's a well-known programme on the BBC called DIY SOS, and uh, the scenario is slightly different each time, but the, the idea is virtually the same. The text for the programme says this, Nick Knowles and the team issue a call to arms and recruit friends, family and local trades to help transform the homes of families across Britain. Well, a number of weeks ago, there was an episode from Torquay where I previously lived. And it featured Stuart, who progressively was suffering terribly with multiple sclerosis, dreadful disease. He had a 15-year-old daughter, Lauren, who lived with him. And his carer, for a number of hours each day, was his blind mother, Lynn, who, with her stick, walked across town each day to look after him. The house was a mess. The garden was almost pointless. The spaces were unsuitable for Stuart with his wheelchair. He didn't go into the kitchen or the garden. He hadn't even slept in his bed for two years. The house just did not work. Nine days of work happened. Lots of neighbours, local trades and so on utterly transformed this house. And at the end, as always happens on these shows, Nick brings Stuart and Lauren to the front of the house with their eyes closed and then says, open your eyes. And they are astonished at what they see just off the front of the house. He then takes them around inside. And here are some of the phrases and words that I recorded that they said as Stuart and Lauren were being shown around this transformed creation. Oh, wow. That is just something else. Absolutely love it blown away. It's absolutely incredible. It's perfect. It's just too much. I love it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. I couldn't honestly have wished for anything better than this. I didn't think it was going to be like this. It's so amazing. Wow. It's absolutely stunning. You could not have made it any better for us. It's perfect. And finally, I cannot believe what you've done for me, Stuart says. Now, Stuart and Lauren had been away for nine days while their house was being bashed around and recreated. They knew that when they came back, what they would see would be different from what they previously experienced. Far better, of course, than it previously was. They must have spent those nine days wondering I wonder what it's going to look like. I wonder how it's going to be created. I wonder what that team are going to do to transform our property. 
They would have thought of the presence of good new things and the absence of old bad things. But even their best imaginings were nowhere near the reality. The recreation in front of them and all around them was in every respect more than they could ever have dreamt as they themselves were expressing. All the pain, the sadness, the disappointment, the restriction of previous times seemed to be forgotten, overtaken, swallowed up by this new experience, this joy in what had been recreated for them. I reckon our experience of heaven, and then especially of resurrection life, of the new heaven on the new earth, will be something, though far greater, like that that Stuart and Lauren experienced. It will be more than you could ever dream of. Enough to swallow up all the pain, the sadness and the disappointment that you have ever known. No wonder Jesus says, said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. My father's house has many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. If Nick Knowles and his team on DIY SOS can prepare something so good that Stuart's response was, I cannot believe what you've done for me. How wonderful will be the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. So if you're not a Christian yet, let me humbly suggest to you that now is the time to get right with God through Jesus Christ and start following him and trust him, awaiting this extraordinary future. And if you are a Christian, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Your faith will be fully rewarded.